Your customer's data privacy is important, but so is personalization. Learn how to balance both so you can optimize your ad performance and scalability with Adobe and Meta. Adobe's real-time customer data platform collects and aggregates customer data across channels, helping you build actionable, unified customer profiles. Meta Conversions API creates a direct connection between your marketing data and marketing systems. This helps you better measure results and improve your ad targeting within Meta technologies. Find out more at unlockmarketingdata.com. Increase conversion rates and create privacy-safe targeted ads. Adobe and Meta give you the tools to future-proof your data strategy to go beyond third-party cookies. Visit unlockmarketingdata.com to get started. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Magic, the show where we journey to the heart of technology. I am your host, Kathy Hackle, and we are here to break down the latest innovation in tech, fashion, space, AI, you name it. Uh, in this episode, we will be talking definitely about advances in hardware and spatial computing. We'll be talking about everything that's happening in the AI space, as well as entertainment. And we'll have our producer, Lily Snyder, join us for another Dispatch from the Fringe. I am joined, as always, by my guest co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, how you doing? I'm exhausted, but I'm great. <laughs> it's, it's been a wild week. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I want to hear all about LA, but I'll tell you, I'm I'm a little tired, too. I'm a little jet lagged. Um, I'm actually doing the interview from Barcelona. So, yeah, very excited. Yeah, it, that I didn't know you were in Barcelona. And so when you sent me the message of like, hey, I need to move the, the podcast time, I was like, where? Well, it's it's like I'm pl- constantly playing a game of where in the world is Carmen San Diego with you, um, <laughs> which is a fun game. I don't. That's not a complaint. It's just always like I'm not really sure what time zone I've got to match. I rarely leave the Pacific time zone, but y- you don't have a time zone, is what I I'm don't. <laughs> I don't have a time zone, and I'm going to Abu Dhabi uh, next week, so we're gonna have to figure out how to juggle that schedule. That's gonna be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord okay well it'll That's be gonna fine be crazy time difference so we'll have to we'll if have to figure that out here, here's how we do this if we're both miserable then we've got it right like that go. that's <laughs> how you <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but um yeah i got here um we're recording on monday this goes live on wednesday but i arrived uh monday morning for mobile world congress and it is mm. pretty much for for those most people know this right most people listening to this but it's really one of the world's largest um mobile technology um trade shows it's massive i mean everyone qualcomm um no- nokia you know microsoft samsung huawei sk telecom telefonica like at&t like they're all here <laughs> this is all about mobile technology and um yeah it was now really is my yeah. i'm always curious about this because they've always not been heavily in the mobile space but is my alma mater of intel there yes they're Let's here <laughs> okay great There's, yeah the only one that's not here is apple which is interesting but they, wow, they normally really? don't come oh, well they're yeah, apple, apple you know yeah apple doesn't i don't know they play in their own little sandbox yeah. don't they yeah, they don't have to be here, but they're here in the sense that Vision Pro is something everyone's talking about. Um, I brought my Vision Pro. I'm doing some demos for some CEOs tomorrow. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a keynote on um, the future of spatial computing and AI hardware, followed by a panel about the future of personal tech. So yeah, very excited. I, I was invited back in 2022 to do the the one of the main keynotes 
where I actually, um, I actually got to speak directly to the president and the king of Spain. So that was pretty amazing a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm back here. It's wonderful. And yeah, everyone's talking. I feel like, like two years ago was everything said metaverse. Mm, <laughs> this yeah. year, AI, 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 AI. Some XR sprinkled through. I've seen maybe one or two spatials, but I'm sure next year it'll be more spatial <laughs> and AI. It'll be a combination, but XR definitely yeah. seen a lot more XR sprinkled around. It's it's an accumulation of all of it. Yeah, and I'm I'm not surprised to hear that, but I guess I am like. You know what it is? This week, I've been really fighting the good LinkedIn fight against the hype cycle. Um, like, it, it has it has been a little exhausting this weekend talking with colleagues and, and friends in the industry and just, like, the typical noise loop that is LinkedIn chatterboxes. And there's so much hype cycle that I think you and I have both seen over decades. Yeah. That it's like, when will we learn? <laughs> Never. <laughs> it always happens like this. <laughs> it's always like this. I mean, granted, I've and I've personally benefited from a, like the metaverse hype cycle. I'll be very honest. Oh, about of course, that, right. But hey, of I was course. riding the wave. I'm riding the wave again with spatial. But I do feel spatial is a little bit more. It's going slower, and I'm okay with that. I'm so yes. happy with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. So that's a good sign, really. Yeah, it's healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's healthy. It's it's an we're like in the technology trigger, I think, of the mm -hmm. hype cycle, the Gartner hype cycle. Um, so, yeah. but it's gonna take. It's not moving as fast, which I like. Um, so we'll see. You know, depending on what Apple brings to the market or announces in June or September or whatever, <laughs> and then Meta. Like, we're gonna see a lot of stuff. I will say, I got a chance to do a few things. Um, I when I got to the con the Congress Center, I went straight to SK Telecom because uh, they had the Humane AI pin, which we've talked about on the show before. Mm. And um, I had ordered mine, but they were delayed, so I actually got to see it in person and got a really nice demo um, of the device. It's actually I actually like the device; it's really cute. I like it a lot. And, you you um, have one on pre order now, right? Yeah, yeah, I did, but they're they're a little bit behind on on delivery, mm -hmm. so mine's coming in March. So, but I got so to see what, it in person. What lived up and what maybe didn't live up to your expectation? I was expecting, I didn't touch it, but I was expecting it to be heavier and it didn't mm. look as heavy. I saw multiple okay. people wearing it on multiple types of clothing. Um, probably it's not something you might want to put like on a silk shirt or something or like a very thin shirt. But, sure. but you know, either was someone with a hoodie wearing it looked fine. Someone with a leather jacket, someone with like a regular jacket. Like, I feel like it was fine. And then... Yeah, I mean, they did the demo where they showed me the projection and they asked. How was the projection? Because that was the, the projection was the part yeah. where you can't get brighter than the light that you have, mm -hmm. right? So, like, yeah. anything can be washed out. So, anytime, and this comes from like a decade of like projection mapping back yeah. that dates back all the way to like 2010. It, it only, projection only goes so far, even with lasers. So, uh, that that was the part that always was kind of like, how are you going to pull that off? Especially I don't know. I mean, it's okay. It's not great. And it didn't work necessarily perfectly every time she put her hand up, but sure. it wasn't as diluted, if that's the right word, um, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. as I thought it would be. So, okay. That was, that was positive. Um, we, we did a little thing where she spoke into the device and asked about weather in, in Washington, DC, and it gave back some information, then translated it in Portuguese and it was fine. 
Um, so I have that recorded. What I couldn't record was a demo, a preview demo of something called they call Vision, which you mm. and I have been talking about 2024 is the year of vision, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> vision Pro, computer vision, large vision models, right? Um, so they have something coming. It's called Vision, where you actually ask the device to tell you what do you like the device is starting to see. And mm -hmm. that blew me away. Like I was really impressed that this little device can do that. Um, yeah. It gave really good detail of the things that were around that it was seeing. So that was impressive. That was like, obviously that wasn't like a demo that they're necessarily giving everyone or that is, you know, they, they told me not to record it. So uh, I can sure. talk about it because, you know, it was done in a public area, but yep. very excited about that. Very promising. I felt very, I felt very positive about the device. And as I'm walking out, the two founders uh, who are actually married, they're both ex-Apple, um, were walking up and I just, like, I got the chance to chat with them, share my perspective. They were really fantastic. And yeah, the device looked really nice. Like I was, okay. I, yeah, I'm kind of like, I mean, I've always been like team humane in some ways, but I'm like more bullish on them a little bit more. Um, really liked it. I was like, this is a okay. cute little device. Like I like it. Now, speaking of device, devices like this, and maybe you've seen it there, maybe yeah. you haven't, but I, after its announcement, the, the the world has gone a little quiet, but was there any update on the R1 hmm. Rabbit? I haven't seen any on the show floor. There might be. The update here is, and it's not, it's related to that, but maybe not. So um, Vinod Koshla, I think I can't pronounce his last name correctly, and I'm sorry if I butchered it, but he's a very, very big VC venture capitalist, like massive. Mm -hmm. He's like a billionaire. Um, he's like early investments in a lot of really important companies. And he put out an op-ed in the information. It's behind a paywall, but it's well worth the, you know, whatever you want to spend a couple dollars to read it, um, on how they are going to start investing a lot more on AI, AI hardware and AI solutions. Um, in this case, he talked a lot about voice. And talked a lot about the R1 Rabbit because that's one of their portfolio companies. They invested in Rabbit. Mm -hmm. They're going to start allocating more funds towards these types of solutions. So that to me was a that's big news. Like he is a major VC in you know in the space. Saying we're starting to invest further in expanding computing, in looking at new ways of human computer interaction, which you and I have talked about spatial computing. Um, you know whether people right. want to use that term or not. So yeah, I mean. The R1 hasn't necessarily been on the show floor, but I think people, every, like everyone's starting to think about AI, AI wearables, like what comes next? What, what does these transitory devices do? How do you start to create these devices that allow AI to do more than just, you know, more than just spit out mm -hmm. or, you know, or guess what the next word is or, or those sorts of things. So, yeah. I'm very, very interested very to interesting. see more. I'm actually interested in like the design aspect of that R1 because mm -hmm. so Teenage Engineering, who was the partner of the design for that piece of hardware, um, they they also designed a gaming device that has finally shipped and it's out of Portland, Oregon, which is my hometown, um, called the Playdate with a completely different company called Panic. And it is a almost low tech approach, but it has a similar form factor of this handheld, almost Game Boy style device for game developers and indie developers to release like games on a proprietary uh, platform that the development system is is open sourced um, to where anyone can develop on it. And so I actually got one of those in my hands and have one. Um, it's super cute, ago. I have to say. It's like adorable. Yeah, it's got a little crank on it as like a, 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 a like an input or anything. But as I played with this, I started thinking 
if the design aesthetic, the design thought behind the R1 is even close to mm-hmm. the because des- I'm saying this because it's the same design partnership. Yeah, it's still yeah, yeah. teenage engineering. If it has that same type of tactile feel that they created for this uh, play date little game console for the R1, I'm totally in on the R1. I want to play with it just because it's something really fun to hold in your hands and like interact with. And I found myself constantly reaching for that over my mobile phone when you kind of get in the the idle hands type, like I got to fidget with something. I was reaching for that way more than my phone because it was more interesting to play with. And I could see myself doing that with the R1 to gather information like i have a feeling it's just going to be more fun as an object to interact with ai through the r1 than it is Mm -hmm. with my own phone which is typically how i interact with like chat gpt well i I, you know here at at, at the mobile world congress like every phone's like ai ai this ai that like all the phones have ai like so definitely you know these newer devices are seem a lot more fun um yeah um i I will tell you do you want to tell you about the other stuff i saw Yes, please. Okay, so definitely got a demo. <laughs> definitely got I'm a demo. That's why I'm here. I'm That's not here for the here. podcast. That's why people are listening. <laughs> um, so another really cool thing, people might have seen this in the news. Lenovo just launched this like concept. It's a concept computer. It's a laptop. Um, yes. It's like a crystal. They call it the crystal AR laptop uh, proof of concept. Really cute. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm using that word today for tech. I don't know what's going on. It might be the jet lag. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's 17 inch, but I got a demo of it, got to see it when I was actually filming the demo, it it stopped working. (laughs) So they had to get a new one. They brought in a new one and they installed it. Um, that was interesting. You know, I don't know. We we need to take a step back and explain what this is. So it is a laptop with a transparent screen. So yes. think of any science fiction movie that just got it wrong 10 years ago where the, you, yeah, they had a keyboard and it was like a pane of glass that you could see through. And you're like, well, that doesn't ever make sense. That's all sci-fi, you know, mm-hmm. Hollywood, you know, hokum. It's that like they actually yeah, went yeah. and built that. I want this. I have no practical use for this device, yeah. but I want one so badly because it, it is that like realization of minority report. It is the realization of every like um, secret CIA basement you've seen on a bad cop <laughs> drama. It it's it is so freaking cool looking. It is really cool looking, but I will tell you, um, I posted in a, in one of my groups on WhatsApp, and someone said, "Well, if I'm using the computer, can someone be like behind and be able to read my emails?" I said. I don't know. I, I oh. have video from the back. So like from a, from a privacy standpoint, like if you're working for the CIA, you're probably not going to use this device. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it looks beautiful. It's stunning, obviously proof of concept, but, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting to see it live. Um, not perfect yet, but I mean, I like the concept sure. and it's funny that you mentioned minority report because I just um, a couple of days ago, I think a day ago, I published an article in Forbes that says eight TED talks to inspire you eight, te- eight, eight TED talks to help you understand the future of spatial computing. And one of them is a TED talk. I think it's from like 2016. I don't, it's a really old TED talk um, where the, one of the guys that actually did a, had done a lot of gesture um, research was one of the people that helped create um, the, the, the gestures and the motion, um, mm-hmm. for the motion detection for minority reports. So, and that actually it's, it comes from actual research. 
So funny that you mentioned that. I will definitely include a link in 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 the in the show notes. But interesting. Yeah, that's I mean, all, it, was cool. I th- it was cool to see so it. So many people. Like so many people in our industry, I think owe at least part of their career to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I got so many, like the early technology that I developed in like 2011, 2012, that kind of started my career. I just totally was ripping off Minority Report. Um, I saw that movie and I was like, I can, I think I can build that with an Xbox Connect, uh, and and just ran for it. Uh, yeah, it's it's such an influential movie, um, and it really was. They they based so much mm-hmm. of the technology in that um, on a real projection of where things could be. Yeah, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40 years into the future. I well, the guy, I mean, the, the I can't remember his name right now, but the one that the person that did the TED talk actually does a lot of that, a lot of those gestures and a lot of pulling data mm-hmm. on stage a ted um yeah and i said it's like 2015 2016 so super futuristic that we were already doing that um but yeah definitely the lenovo concept laptop it's crystal ar um definitely very interesting uh i also got to got to got a, a little bit of a demo of the uh concept phone that folds into a bracelet <laughs> I'm, mm. I don't know if anyone's seen this. Many people have, uh, but it folds into a bracelet. It's a foldable phone. It just becomes a bracelet as well, like a slap bracelet, like like a, like slap a bracelet. Like a, yeah, a, like the one my kids have. But a it Lisa Frank, <laughs> like the, yes, the, the 1996 yes. Lisa Frank slap bracelets yes. from middle school. <laughs> yeah, they, I love the sound. Um, but yeah, it it was really cool because it, actually they showed me this part where they're using generative AI to scan a dress that they had next to them. And then the device generates all these like patterns from that, from like that clothing Mm. and those colors. And then you can Mm. wear your dress and your, your matching phone bracelet, um, you know, without having to customize it just generates different patterns from the clothes that they scanned. So I, I love that part from a self-expression fashion side. So I like seeing some of fashion tech on on the show floor. It's cool. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's what's going on in Barcelona. I think we're going to continue to see a lot more news, a lot more things coming from AI wearables. Um, you know, like I said, spatial computing is definitely a topic people are starting to get interested in. That's what my keynote's going to be about. So I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions. But that's me in Barcelona. I want to hear about your trip to L.A. and what the <laughs> entertainment folks are talking about because there's huge news yes. coming out of the entertainment industry right now. So maybe I'll let you lead with that and you can tell us what's going on. Yeah. So I spent the week down in Los Angeles. Um, for those who don't know, I, I came out of LA from the entertainment industry and I went down there cause I just had a gut feeling like I wanted to get a temperature check on how people are reacting to everything happening with AI, where studios are coming from, how right. Cause I'm doing a lot of writing this season. Um, I'm got a novel on its second draft that's coming out. I've got uh, a couple of different like story ideas for short stories and script ideas that I'm kind of out throwing around um, with some of uh, my old crew down there. And I happen to be down there when the Tyler Perry closes his studio due to Sora AI story hit. And I've got tons of hot takes on that topic yeah. alone. I, I just, I simply don't actually think that that was the reasoning, but I can't defend that other than a gut feeling. Um, but to be there with the producers and with the writers uh, as these stories are hitting and as they're first seeing Sora demos on LinkedIn, um, talking with people who have really good, deeper understanding of that technology, that when I said earlier that I felt like I was f- fighting the LinkedIn hype cycle, that was kind of the <laughs> catalyst behind all of it. Because once you're in the 
when you're in the trenches with the people who do this on a daily, they can kind of pull back a little bit of the of the hype cycle mm -hmm. and say, okay, yeah, this is cool. Like undeniably the technology that is being shown in Sora. And for those who don't know, Sora is an arm of chat GPT from open AI that will do uh, video, uh, text artificial video, intelligence. Right? Yeah. Text to, like video creation. Um, and in the demos that you'll see on LinkedIn or social media, wherever you're seeing it, they are beautiful, mm -hmm. but it's curated. Right. And this is the part that, that I think more people need to say out loud of like, this is something to be excited about, to be impressed by even. But to immediately throw your hands in the air and mm -hmm. say, oh, game over. Yeah. What are we doing here? That's some chicken little nonsense. <laughs> um, like, I'm a big Tyler Perry fan, so I, wouldn't, I don't know. Maybe there's other motivation. I oh, no, I'm not saying just with Tyler Perry. Oh, okay. That's in not general. what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying in general. I saw I saw two camps when I'm, I'm in these meetings of people who are genuinely just wringing their hands of, it's game over. It's game over, okay. And, the, uh, and other people saying, wait a second, no, the game's just finally getting interesting. And I'm <laughs> on the game is getting interesting side. Yes, the Sora output is beautiful mm -hmm. um but to suggest that now all entertainment is going to be commandeered by artificial intelligence I, I, again i'm gonna say what i say every episode and that is ai makes content it doesn't make art mm -hmm. um it, humans make art it is the human factor that differentiates between content and art and yes humans can make content yeah. too but it, i think everyone understands what i'm saying when i say that it's the heart behind the art and those who are afraid of it are afraid of it because I think they look at the game they've established and they're saying, oh, I can't continue the mass pump of yeah. content, right? And you know what? You're probably right. And I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. Hmm. Um, like, yeah, it's content and you you got in and you got your you got your money, you did your thing and I'm all for that and I'm still friends with you. That's great. But somewhere along the way, you just kind of commoditize the process, which is what we do. That's what the biz that's what the business is. And you cookie cuttered it and you created an assembly line for your content. <laughs> I get that. And yes, AI is going to throw a massive wrench into yeah. the middle of your system and it will at some point break per certain parts down. I also think it's going to make certain parts better. Mm -hmm. If you have the foresight to leverage it. Now, yeah. from the creative side, people who look at this as art, they're looking at it as kind of that same feeling. And you know, I came out of the music industry. So I've heard this argument before when mm -hmm. you could start making music that rivaled recording studios on your laptop. Mm -hmm. So many of the labels were like, this is game over. It's like, yeah, because you made a process for your product and this is going to throw a wrench into it. But it didn't kill the music industry. If anything, it allowed independent musicians to have a better app, better access and better approach to getting their content out there. And I see this as the same thing. I don't really care to watch 100% AI generated content yeah, because then it's just telling me what a computer has interpreted as humanity that we want to watch. And maybe it is entertaining, but it won't be, to me, it won't be compelling. I, I like a lot of my favorite actors and actresses are... Based in, in favorite writers are based on who they are as people. Yeah. 
yeah. and and how their brain works and their style, right? And and so I now there's this ability to bring a lot of people to build new studios because they do kind of have this ability to inject a new piece of technology that they couldn't do before. This isn't anything new. Um, so it was very interesting to sit in these these talks and to watch scripts get handed back and forth and, and pitched uh, story ideas for new content and, and talk with some of the like new streaming services and things like that and hear them debate, yeah. not have an answer, but to debate yeah. what this all means. Um, hmm. I'm, not, you, I'm not that scared. You're not that scared. So that was actually, you helped me calm down because at first I was like, wait, what? But then I was like, no, no, take a step back, Kathy. Like this is curated. Um, I had a few, I had a few observations and I shared this with you and Lily, our producer. There's a video from Sora of this beautiful turtle walking mm -hmm. on black sand and she's got this glass, you know, part to her. And it's a beautiful video, but it made me feel sad. It made me feel so sad because I was mm -hmm. like, that type of, of, you know, environmental, National Geographic kind of stuff. Like, there's a part of me that wants the real thing. I don't want the fake turtle on the black sand yeah. beach. I want the yeah. real turtle because I feel like yeah. that's, I don't know. I felt sad watching that because it was beautiful. But then I was like, it's not. You know, it's not the turtle. It's not like it made me a little sad for like nature photographers and like the people mm. that go out there and try to find the snow leopard when it's really hard to find the snow leopard. You know, maybe mm -hmm. you could just type in snow leopard running across across the snow. Um, but there's this part of me that was a little sad watching that. And but, you know, you maybe realize well, like, it's not that bad. Like it's not that bad. And I think that there is value to the to real versus artificial. And, yeah. and that's that's the thing is like, OK. This is going to be a massive blow to the stock image, stock footage industry. Quite frankly, I feel like the stock image and stock footage industry is overpriced as it is. So maybe they kind of need a, mm. a little bit of, of a knock around. Um, so what it costs to license a stock image for like a billboard is just absolutely insane. Yeah, that's um, true is someone who has ran small businesses and tried to build websites and it's like, you want how much for the what now? And <laughs> I don't get exclusive to this. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, okay, disrupt that industry. And you know how much I hate the word disrupt, but go ahead, <laughs> disrupt that, that industry. What came up in one of the conversations, and I loved this because it's so absurd, was um, Tom, uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise, this is such an interesting point that someone brought up and that is you go to a lot of these Tom Cruise action films because that crazy man does his own stunts. <laughs> so true. Now he doesn't have to do his own stunts. Mm -hmm. He could use a stunt double and now we could use AI to where he is never in danger. And I would argue that if you do that, no one will go to that film. That's interesting. Because the films are like, okay, they're not deep. They're not incredibly meaningful. We don't need an 18th Mission Impossible, but you will go see that movie to watch Tom Cruise launch himself off of a building on a motorcycle mm -hmm. to paraglide into a floating helicopter, right? Whatever crazy yeah. next stunt he does Well, he's does going next. to space. The next one's in space. I think he doesn't have to he do that. He doesn't have to go to space, but he wants but, to, sure. But he wants to. And I want to see that happen, mm -hmm. right? So there's this level of faking it, even if it looks the same, does not equate to the same reason we consume this content. Yeah. And and that's a pretty extreme case, but I think it's a valid one. Um, 
the story's part of it. The actor's also part of it. And just creating a virtual actor will take a... I just don't see that happening. Part of it is... Well... Part of it is the humanity of it. The humanity. That's where... A few thoughts when I was going through all these feelings uh, with Sora was a few things that came to mind. And it is... You mentioned compelling. What's compelling? Like, I still love going to the theater. I love Mm -hmm. being... I love seeing actors on stage. I think there's something magical to seeing them act in person. So I'm thinking yep. like, does it become a, the premium? Like does, you know, Shakespeare, the Shakespeare totally. company, like those types of experiences in person, um, even Broadway, like does it start to become more of a premium because it is not AI generated or at least the robots are not on stage yet. Um, yeah. But that type of, you know, experience of, of the physical you know, actor that is compelling, that can be powerful. I kept thinking about that. That's one thing I kept thinking about. And then the other thing that kept thinking about is, okay, so what happens to game engines, right? Mm. What happens to the same thing Mm. as I was thinking with the Tyler Perry news is like, what happens with all these people, all these people that work in the film industry in Atlanta that, you know, do makeup that build the, you know, the sound stages, like there's a lot of people are going to be impacted by his, you know, $800 million decision. Then, I started looking at some of the videos from Sora and I'm like, there, there, it's got to be trained on things from game engines. Like there's some things that look so close to like unreal. Um, mm-hmm. I just, what happens now to game engines if you can just create things with a prompt, right? So what are your thoughts around that? Because I think that puts us more into the gaming space. And what is the impact of something like Sora when we're talking about gaming, game engines? I mean, game engines are huge business. Disney just invested yeah. in Epic. Like, what do you if think you happens to get, game engines? I don't think the game engines have a lot to worry about right now. Right now. Not um, yet. Right now. <laughs> and, I, and I would say maybe for the next five to 10 years, I don't think they have a lot to worry about. Um, but I would say that without AI, uh, just because the the rate in which tech exponentially changes. I think they do eventually, much like what we see Adobe doing of trying to get AI integrated into the tool suites, I do think that we should expect to see AI better generated into the game engines directly Mm -hmm. anyone who's and here's a really good example of like what is just hard in game engines physics as we understand it on this planet does not necessarily reflect as a one-to-one inside of a game engine and the best explanation for that is light um and oh yeah (laughs) light baking yeah light tracing light baking yeah light tracing light baking inside of a game engine is a complete pain in the butt um and it is and it's a skill set that takes patience and professionalism and it's very hard to find good light developers um or, or light artists there are people who that's all that they do they go into unity and they make the lighting look good because as if you're not working in the game engines you think of oh, I may have a light object and it shines light on a thing. And that's not what it's doing. There's no such thing as light in a video game, right? Like Mm -hmm. light is a particle system we understand in our real world. It is a, but light in a video game is a computer that is painting shades of colors in real time on pixels to make it give the effect of light. But light does not exist. Mm -hmm. It's still a flat 2D realm, right? (laughs) Even if it's a 3D game, it's still on a screen. So... And those are the areas where I could see AI coming in and being immediately put to use in a better way. Because even today, the light baking process and building a video game is not that great. I'd love to see that improve. That would be fantastic. 
people who do this professionally, I think would love to see that improve because it makes their job easier and they can go do other things that they want to do. They want to do, yeah. Um, so, so that's part of it. Where I do see it maybe taking a place, taking place is in the next couple of years as AI's, AI systems like Sora become better, I would like to see more consistency in mm. like what you make. Okay, you write a prompt and this is just how ChatGPT even works and you can test this out with images. You write a prompt for an image. You make it incredibly detailed and you ask it to spit it out and it spits out an image and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. If you copy and paste that exact same prompt back into ChatGPT, you will not get the same image. You will not get the you'll, same, yeah, it's true. You'll get something close to it, but you will not get mm -hmm. the exact same image. So there's not a consistency behind our AI and there's no way that there's going to be a consistency for a while behind things yeah. like Sora. Okay, you got it to spit out this image of a turtle walking across black sand. Ask it to do it again. It's going to look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But once we get that consistency, we can start replacing a lot of the like cutscenes in video games. Um, but that's still not going to happen. But yeah, it's not. It's still guaranteed. not there, right? It's still not there. So it's not I, there. I, I agree with you. I just I kept thinking of like game engines, and I'm like, is it you know? <laughs> yeah, like well, one person game engine. <laughs> about five years ago, I was having coffee with an incredibly brilliant developer here in Portland um, who, who runs a, a little uh, like development shop um, light. I think it was like Lightbox or something. I'd have to go back and like figure out what the name is. I, and anyways, we were talking about unity and unreal and he said something prolific. He said, yeah, use them for right now, but you just don't get attached to any type of tool mm -hmm. um, because it takes it all. All it takes is a company like Apple to destroy flash games um, and, <laughs> yeah. and he's right. Like that we, we lived through that. We didn't think it was possible. We saw it happen. He's like at any given time, any one of these tools can get replaced and you just don't know how, why, or when. So you build with what you have. And then once it's gone, you use the next thing to build with what you have. And I think that that's a healthy thing. If you're trying to build a, con a complete, a complete career based on one tool, like that's just probably not the best fate for your longevity like yeah I, you just <sighs> you just gotta create you just gotta create yeah no I, i'm with you i'm with you i just yeah i, oh. I keep thinking about well yeah go go <laughs> this is insane what? i didn't tell you this this is funny this just speaking of just gotta create i met one of the most brilliant people ever I, I, i'll Ooh. i'm gonna i'm not gonna like say his name or anything here but i'm gonna try and see if i can get him for the podcast later but Ooh, um like he's done a ton in the space and he's i went to a studio uh in in venice um, Venice Beach, and he's got one of the most amazing tracking avatar controlling systems that I've ever seen. Uh, so very impressive. It's all in real time. It's all for like location based development. Anyways, so I'm talking to this guy. He's telling, he's giving me his entire resume of like his background, which just dwarfs me into the ground and makes me feel like the <laughs> the size of a thimble. Um, and I said, well, where did you start? And he says, well, early in my career, I was a uh, an Imagineer and I worked on uh, VR for Disney. And I was like, Ooh. wait, what'd you do? He's like, oh, it was with Epcot. It was with an experience. Now, we talked about no. this on last week's <laughs> podcast. Yes, he was the guy who worked on Aladdin VR at Epcot. And that's all I wanted to talk about going forward i was like what are the chances that we talk about aladdin vr and epcot like 1994 my 19, first experience yeah in VR. like a long time ago <laughs> and then i go down the street and i meet the guy who actually worked on that 
That's so crazy. I love that though. So, that's so LA. Like that sounds so like, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was such a, I was like, everything else you're doing is cool, but please just like tell me everything about the Aladdin experience because I didn't get to live it and it's my childhood and there's a huge void. <laughs> I need to know more. <laughs> I, like, I don't robbed. really want to talk about that. <laughs> I was robbed of that part of my childhood. <laughs> hey, you will always have the carousel, carousel of progress lady. <laughs> oh, oh, PTSD right now. Uh, yes. If anyone listens to a podcast, podcast they know what we what we're talking about. So. Um, I think what we're going to do now, let's go, let's go on break. And then when we get back, we'll talk about some of the layoffs happening in tech that are still going on. We'll de- definitely have our producer, Lily, do Dispatch from the Fringe, and we'll wrap up. So and I have break. an update. Oh, I've yes. got an update when we come back about um, last week we talked about theme parks. And mm-hmm. so I've got an addendum for that that I want to bring yes, up as well. Yes, yes. Love that. All right, let's go to break. All right, so we're back from break. Why don't we start with your addendum <laughs> to the future okay. of amusement parks? Because I saw, you know, I was super excited when you sent me the pictures, but I want you to tell folks kind of what you experienced, your thoughts, super fun. Mm. So for, for those paying attention, this is the first month in California where uh, Super Nintendo World was open um, at Universal Studios uh, in Los Angeles. And so I got to go in. We... Uh, Thankfully, you know a couple of people in some high places. You kind of get to get in early and, and, and get through it without having to do all of the, the standard uh, waiting in 90-minute lines to get on a three-minute ride. Um, so we got in. It was like 7 a.m., um, and I was just dead tired. Uh, but it was Super Nintendo World is legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was way better than I expected in my my expectations were high. Uh, it, I, I can't even begin to explain how magical they made that area. Now, it's not huge because it's Los Angeles, so it's not like they've got tons of open space. It's not you know Orlando size mm-hmm. uh, theme park, and it's definitely its own little corner. 
but what they were able to cram into this what would be seen as a pretty small space is a good half a day of content when it comes to Nintendo. And it was so meticulously, perfectly put together. Um, the big shining, you know, jewel of, of Super Nintendo World is the augmented reality Mario Kart ride. Um, and this is utilizing the Mira headset. Um, for those who are in the spatial computing space, you know what headset this is. Yeah. I well, they when were acquired heard, by Apple, we have to say. Like, Miro was yes. acquired by Apple. So, very important yes. piece of the pie. Yes. Um, the Apple pie. <laughs> yes. And, and, and quite surprising to see an Apple-acquired piece of hardware being utilized by Universal for a licensed Nintendo part of the theme park. It was just one of those things where it's like, wow, there's a lot of agreements floating back and forth to get this technology into this uh, this space. Um, but when I heard they were going to do an AR, a wearable AR, MR, whatever you want to call it, uh, spatial computing headset inside of a heavily trafficked, uh, pretty fast um, mm-hmm. theme park ride, I was like, how are they going to pull this off? There's so many questions about how does the hardware stay intact? How do you uh, utilize this hardware? How do they clean it and sanitize it? How do oh, you yeah. make it to where you don't have to train people how to use it? All of these things they've solved. That's to, really interesting. And, and people who know me, I'm kind of a germaphobe dude, it, which makes me working in the VR space very difficult. I do not like sharing headsets. I do not like, I will not go to your trade show and wear your headset to see your demo. Like, I just won't do it. Um, Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just, I, you can spray it down as many as, no, they, they figured it all out. And it's so brilliant. You get a clean headset, which is just a halo you put on your head with the little Mario, front of it's a Mario cap. And there's no technology. When you sit in, the the cart um the actual lenses are part of the steering wheel and you take that part off and they're very sturdy made out of hard durable plastic and it magnet clips to the headset you're wearing so it never touches your face and it just goes to like the bottom of your the vision covers just the bottom of your eyelids now the the field of view is the best field of view i have seen in a true non-pass-through version of AR, mm-hmm. meaning like it's being projected onto the, the lens itself and you are truly seeing through the lens as opposed to like seeing through a camera, um, which is what like Quest 3 well, which Apple is Vision what Pro the future does. really is going to be. I don't think it's really, going to pass-through. Yeah. I agree with you. There's and a reason why they were acquired by Apple, right? Yes. And I love the guys at Mira. Like I met them way before they sold to Apple. I mean, fantastic young, very young team, that, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And you get, you're in the cart. And you get a little steering wheel and your steering <laughs> wheel doesn't really like steer the cart. Your cart's kind of on rails, but you utilize it to drift, um, to get drifting points. And then there's just little buttons on the steering wheel naturally where your thumbs lay. And you use that to shoot uh, 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 turtle shells at mm-hmm. the AR overlaid competition that's in front of you. It's, it's magical. Like it is so stinking good. I had no earthly way was I expecting it to be as good as they did. I was had high expectations and this completely shattered it. Um, 
my my wife who has put up with me in this space for like a decade and is not the biggest like VR advocate, even though she sees the value behind it because of like the marketing stuff that she does professionally, she's not one to like put on a VR headset and go like play Beat Saber. Like that's just not her thing. Um, she went on this ride twice. She wow, loved it. Like that, it's very unlike her. Um, it was that level of good. It is worth the admission to the theme park to get into Super Mario World. So uh, I think where theme parks grow going forward is is a wide open new new realm. Um, mm-hmm. And going back to the studio conversation we were having earlier, there's never been a better time to invest in, in live, I yeah. think. Um, that's really where so much value is going to come from. Uh, and seeing what I saw at Super Nintendo World was just like, oh, I can't wait. I'm taking my kids. This to is June, the future. So, yeah. yeah, they're they're gonna have a blast. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I love that, especially because I play Mario Kart with them, and I'm so bad at it. They're gonna laugh. They're gonna have such a good time. <laughs> it's it was such a cool it was such a cool experience. You aimed with where you were looking. You didn't have eye tracking, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want people who have an. Well, yeah, the mirror is not like the most advanced device, but no. I think it was a good. I mean, it, it did a well, lot. This for is what, what it was, ni- this what is what Nintendo is. does well. Nintendo never puts out cutting edge technology. They take well established technology and they perfect its fun. Hmm. that's what they do. The Game Boy, the Super Nintendo, they've never put out a piece of hardware that has been like earth-shatteringly most powerful, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're not PlayStation. They're not doing that. They take stuff that they know they can ship that kids can't easily break and they perfect the fun and they squeeze every drop of fun that they can out of that hardware and that's definitely what they've done here. (laughs) I cannot wait to try it, try like to test it out with my kids. And I'm so, so glad good. you got to go. Yeah, I was thrilled when you sent us the pictures. I was like, yes, this looks like fun. <laughs> so awesome. Well, on a not so fun <laughs> kind of beat, um, layoff. Here, here comes the bucket of water. Yeah, the bucket <laughs> of water. Yeah, Debbie Downer over here. <laughs> we got to cover the rundown. So we got to cover the news. You do. Um, <laughs> So, you know, layoffs continue to pile up in the tech sector. Uh, Google is laying off thousands more, thousands, you know, thousands more of employees, despite record profits, uh, doing pretty, pretty bad. Um, Folks are worried that it could be due to AI. So, you know. Well, I mean, how? Because they, I mean, they had to disconnect Gemini real quick this week. You know, (laughs) it it sounds, yeah, I mean, it. I'm not feeling bullish on Google right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be, I, it is shocking that a company can have that amount of history and data and cannot seem to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've got a lot to worry about, I think, but I mean, they'll catch up. I mean, it's Google. Like they will, feels like they will catch up. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. It's, it's just, it's just very strange. And we're, it, I don't understand how, and this isn't just Google, mm-hmm. like across the board, there's a lot of, of layoffs happening from companies that don't have it fully figured out right now. And I'm looking at it going, you do realize you're going to have to hire some of these people back, right? Like yeah. that's just, Th- that's what I feel. I feel like of humans. they're laying everyone off. Shareholders are loving it. The share, like the stock prices are going through the roof. It's insane. But at some point, you know, this is going to prove to be a little bit harder than they think. And but I do see people like there's definitely Meta's back to hiring lots of folks mm-hmm. when it comes to AI, though. So there is hiring happening, but I feel like it's more specific. 
But I'm with you. I think at some point they're going to have to hire, maybe not the levels that they hired during the pandemic. That was, you know, completely insane. But there's going to be. And that's part of it. I mean, we need to admit that the that the overhiring of the pandemic is is part of the problematic side of where mm-hmm. we are today. And that doesn't really necessarily reflect on the company. It's easy to paint the company as the big, bad boogeyman who just doesn't really care, brings on people and shovels off people. And, you know, honestly, to some extent, that's probably true. Um, but nobody knew what was going on during the pandemic. Yeah, Everyone was in survival mode. And I think that at some level, that includes companies. I... As someone who worked, like when 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 COVID first hit in in twenty nineteen and kind of wrecked twenty twenty, I was working at Intel for the Olympics and went through the whole like, oh, the Olympics had to be extended by a year because genuinely no one knew what what to do. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I think I have a little bit more empathy for the larger companies who are still trying to figure out how to reformat post twenty twenty because people were hiring yeah. because they genuinely didn't know if we were going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I can kind of give some leeway there. And in some areas, I'm just like, nah, nah. I'm not buying this. Um, so, yeah. So in other like other news, just because, you know, I think we everyone, a lot of people listening to this probably know folks there. But Nike as well uh, has laid off uh, mm. tech leaders. So part of their tech team, um, there's changes happening there. Um, you know, it's no. not a not necessarily a tech company, right? <laughs> but they are doing layoffs. Oh, I. Side, so. I, I don't know. I'm I'm former Nike. I, I worked Would you consider there. them um, a tech company? Like to me, they're not a tech company. They yeah, I do. Tech, I do. Um, I worked well. I'm I'm a little biased when it comes to they're they're a great team. They're a good company. Um, and I I worked for their enterprise data and analytics. So I I worked in the most techy tech part of their tech. Uh, so I think that that's why I kind of consider them. Uh, an apparel company that does have a lot of technology behind them, a lot of good technology mm-hmm. um, behind them. So uh, I, it's hard to be a company that large in any industry and not be a tech company. Like at some level, you are utilizing, leveraging, analyzing, creating a ton amount of data. Um, and so you just have to, whether you want to or not, accept the responsibilities of being a tech company. Uh, now, as it comes to like their marketing, their immersive tech, and and a lot of that dust is still in the air. You probably have be- even better insight than I do, and I'm living in their backyard. Uh, I'm not. Mm-hmm. While it it while it can be bad for the individual, here's my take, and this has nothing really to do with Nike. This is across the board because this is happening with all, all of these yeah companies. with all these companies. One of the things that happened that I disagreed with was. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- again, this has nothing to do with Nike. Strike Nike from your memory for this. This is just across the board companies. Across the board. Okay, so this is not across specific to Nike. This, this is, is broad, not specific to a Nike. broad comment about the right. broader perspective. This is just the yeah. industry in, in general. Um, a lot of these large companies, I think, too quickly brought in immersive studios in, mm. in-house. Mm-hmm. And just made them full-time employees and were like, you know what, we're just going to bring it all in-house so we own it. And you can still own it, but what it did, and you and mm-hmm. I both kind of like lived through this a little bit, yeah, we did. is there, it used to be agencies did this one-off work and we would do it for a lot of different large companies because it's not incredibly justifiable to bring it in-house. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not long-term a good move against your balance sheet over years and years and years. 
Um, and so as a lot of this technology, uh, experimental, like skunk works level technology, mm-hmm. where you're doing R and D was brought in house, it actually damaged a lot of the agencies that like, this is what we do. And because yeah. we spread across a bunch of different brands, we can afford to do it full time. Okay. So you, sh- you shave off a marginal five, 10% of what it costs you to do this business, but you bring it in house and now you have the responsibility of like actually farming all these chickens you just hired. Right. And now that you have to keep them in a coop and you actually have to feed them and collect the eggs and like count them. And s- you got all of this stuff you have to do. And it, uh, that five, 10% then goes away that you're saving off of the margin. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're stuck with a chicken coop that you are like, I don't, I didn't want a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the technology well, finally changed. What a big responsibility that was. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> so we are seeing a lot of these like divisions mm-hmm. in from multiple companies get cut and released because mm, you probably should have just stuck with an agency to do it until yeah. there was a long-term path to making it make sense to be mm-hmm. like your internet team. Um, so while last year was bad to be in an agency, I think this year is good to be in an agency mm-hmm. um, because last year it was good to be in house and this year it's bad to be in house. Yeah. It's a weird shift in a dynamic that's just now starting to percolate uh, and time will tell. But I think 2024 is going to kind of bring back the the small, you know, development agencies, mm-hmm. which are necessary. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it's funny that you're speaking about this because there was something I wanted to bring up today as well when we're talking about these layoffs right i've had i've had a lot of people friends that have been laid off that reach out to me and say hey how did you accomplish you know being known or how did you let's use the term personal brand right mm-hmm. um whatever reputation personal brand whatever term you want to use and i've been talking a lot to a lot of folks and many of them had stopped has had stopped themselves from you know being more out there or showcasing what they were doing because they're like they felt they had job security obviously that has gone, that has mm-hmm. gone, right? That there, there is no such thing nowadays, um, especially even if you work in tech. So I feel like there's this moment right now um, where I'm finding that there's a lot more interest in understanding how do you become known for what you, for, you know, for, for what you do? What is the power that you inside have, right? Um, mm. What is the bet you need to make on yourself? Uh, on what on what you do. So so yeah, so I've been thinking a lot as these people are reaching out to me about even launching a course. Uh something like the power of you crafting a personal brand that resonates or like creating some type mm-hmm. of course where um I show people kind of how I did how did you know what I, how I did what I did, right? And that yeah. way more people can benefit from it because I, I do feel like yeah, I have a lot to share and this is a good moment for people to be like, you know, I need to make that bet on myself. And I need to make sure that I am okay without the, my identity tied to a specific company. So I don't know, just that's what I'm seeing from a lot of people reaching out and asking me for advice. Well, it's, it's a good question. You know, and it's so funny to hear you kind of talk about it. Cause in the back of my head, I've always had that question. Like, yeah. how did I've, I've had it? that conversation with you? Like, so how, what did you do different? And this is what I'm doing right now. And where does this match up? Because we've had very different trajectories on our career path. And I feel very lucky that we work so well together and we've been able to work together for the years that we have. Um, But we're very different people at the end of the day. Um, (laughs) We balance each other out though, Lee. I think that's why we work. Yes, yes. But how we got to the same intersection (laughs) is so vastly different. (laughs) Yes, lots of twists and turns for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, how do you leverage the unique perspective that you may have or influence that you may have in an industry, mm -hmm. especially one as volatile as technology to have a positive impact, not only on the industry, but on your own brand so that you can continue to exist. And that question, that's the question AI cannot answer. Mm, okay. I'm, fu I'm future proofing the situation here. I love that, Lee. Great. Like that, <laughs> when, when people ask me why I'm not running around scared, terrified of AI, it's just because it's like, People like people, man. Like that. <laughs> people like people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't see that. I don't. I don't want to be part of that. Not being how humans work. I just don't see it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So um, I want to move us more into our, one of our last segments now. Um, talking a little bit about wearables and hardware that's coming. Uh, a lot of announcements around rings. Um, different companies mm. announcing rings. Yo, we talked about this with yes. Upload uh, like five episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. I think you're the one that brought it up, right? I love the idea of the ring. It is such an un underutilized piece of technology um, or just an underutilized uh, object that could be a piece of technology. I love it. Yeah. And, and there's there's an article from Bloomberg from Mark Gurman talking about, you know, Apple's pondered uh, whether they should develop smart glasses. Obviously, they're going to do that. And also fitness ring. There are several announcements from Mobile World Congress on, I think, Samsung that launched the ring. So, yeah, like a lot of that stuff is start <laughs> it's starting to kind of happen um, with, you know, the peripherals and wearables and, and all these sorts of it things. It totally makes so, sense. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Like the ring, a ring is actually kind of hard to lose. Right. Like yeah. it doesn't have the, the, oh my gosh, where'd I put my AirPods? Right. It doesn't have that freak out moment that everyone's like that lived always through at least to once. Me, yes. <laughs> um, where you're digging through your bag and you're like, I can't find it. Ew. Why is there a raisin at the bottom of this thing? Um, like that, <laughs> you Maybe don't not have that part, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> But that's that. That's like what is so intriguing about about that. And when I saw it on Upload, which um, yeah is a fun show for those who haven't seen on Amazon about like the future of of I don't know, conscious technology. It's a comedy. You worked on it, I think, at some point. I did some like, advising. Yeah, I was like a futurist a little bit for for when they were launching the. Did you show. work on the ring part, the ring idea at all? Or no, was that I didn't. Already, like, no. Baked in? Okay. It was clever. It was clever. They basically used it as like a thumb drive, right? Um, and and yeah. so it was used to like store data and get some like basic information. And it technically was their phone, which was super sci science fiction, like never going to happen. But yeah, when I saw your articles coming out, um, getting posted in our, in our little chat box about about the the ring, I was just like, yeah, that is finally, finally, there, I'm there. <laughs> I'm not, you know me, I've never been interested in like jewelry tech. Like mm -hmm. that's just not me as a, I just don't wear a lot of jewelry, but ring, ring. I, I can get behind that. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. I didn't even, I didn't even want the Apple watch. Like I didn't cause I don't wear a watch. I don't wear a watch. So like I never got into it. I don't have an Apple watch cause I just don't wear a watch. I don't. Yeah. So, no. but a ring, yeah. I'm there. Ring glasses. Yeah. Um, so actually now that you mentioned upload, I want to, I want to give, uh, you know, a, a recommend the show. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched it. It was on Hulu. Uh, it's, it was mm. couple. It's called The First. It's from 2018, so it's like a couple years old. And it had Sean Penn, and it's about the first 
man, um, you know, the first manned mission to Mars. It's a, it's a sci-fi thing, of course. But within that series, and I think there was only one season. There was only one season, yeah. Um, they have an amazing depiction of smart glasses. Smart glasses that look great, that go from fully immersive to just AR. I mean, it's one of the best representations I've ever seen of the dream tech, the dream AR glasses, okay. the dream smart glasses. So highly recommend that for anyone that wants to watch it. And um, yeah, it's the pretty pretty much one of the best ones I've ever seen. So there's um, there's yeah. so much good hidden content that only got got like one season hidden in the like the the depths of Hulu and Netflix and yeah. it's this this came up in, in a lot of the conversations I I was having last week with with writers of what is like what is good and how it gets promoted still matters mm -hmm. um i've not heard of the first but it has an oh, so a lister uh, you know um as, as your main actor and and now i'm going to go look it up and go look it up because i think you're going to really enjoy like the depiction of the glasses and the way they're yeah. used in space the way they're used on earth and and how it connects like space and earth and like just you know, I'm, obviously, I'm in a, a bit of a space kick here as well because obviously we didn't talk about this last week. Uh, America returned to the moon. Mm, yes, it did. Yeah, yep. and I knew about it because I, I had talked to the Intuitive Machine folks a long time ago in like 2022. Um, I had actually talked to a whole bunch of like several brands to do something with Intuitive Machines on the way to the moon. Uh, most of the ones that I brought to the table weren't ready, but yeah, like. I was like, I knew this was going to happen. As soon as I knew it was going to land, I was talking about it all across. And like, no one was talking about it when I was like posting about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, we're back on the moon. I was like, how is no one paying attention? I watched it with my kids. Like, this is a yeah. big deal. America's back on the moon, y'all. This is huge. Yep. We need to celebrate it. I, so. I was sitting in a cafe when um, one of our colleagues uh, got the ping on, on his phone and mm -hmm. said, oh, they just landed like a, a rover or something on the moon. And my immediate gut reaction was which country? Because I didn't oh, think it was wow. us. Yeah. I just, I had heard so little about it. I didn't know what was happening. And, and space tech, while it interests me, is not actually something that I'm like constantly looking up mm. or like reading blogs on unless someone sends it to me. It's just, I find it very interesting. It's well, never I, at the top of my like reading list for some that's reason. It's interesting because um, for me, like I'm obsessed with it. Like I feel like I didn't go to space camp when I was little and I should have, <laughs> I should have totally gone to space camp. I didn't do it. Um, there should be space camp for adults and I'm sure there is. I will definitely try to go, but, but yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I feel like it's another part of my passions, like space marketing. Um, so mm. with the, with the Odysseus um, lunar lander, the Columbia, the sportswear company actually sent up yeah. a piece of fabric. And I knew about this as well. I just obviously couldn't talk about it. Um, but yeah, like there, there were several things. There's Jeff Kuhn sent, um, you know, sent up some, uh, an NFT piece of art. Uh, there were a whole bunch of different things that were included in there. So, so yeah, the, the digital payloads uh, were really interesting. I feel like this is the beginning of, yes, space exploration, lunar exploration, but also what I call marketing on the moon or space marketing and in this space commerce era, which I'm I'm very excited about. So um so yeah, I'm 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 super excited about that. I I don't know if we'll ever see like true tourism to the moon but if it is an opportunity i think that's one of the few ones i would actually do mm -hmm. uh as people are talking about like tourism to space where they fly up and then they come back down and they do that that does not interest me that much 
Um, but actually stepping foot yeah. on the moon, I'm like, okay. All yeah, right. that, that's that, that's something I would like to do. I, Mars is too big. Mars is, yeah, no. I don't want to do Mars. I don't even want to go. Like, that's no. too far away. Like, no. Yeah, There's no, too no. many things go wrong there. I feel like I got a good shot of getting back if I go, yeah, to, the go to the moon. Come back. I think you can manage that. Um, so, yes, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, okay, now I want to go to Lily, our uh, producer, who has a dispatch from the French, um, that is, I don't know, kind of weird love, a weird love story of sorts. I don't know. So let's go to Lily. Lily, take it away. Hello, Kathy and Lee, and welcome to this week's Dispatch from the Fringe. I have two stories for you this week. One, while weird, is something that we should actually take into consideration. Everything that we post online, every digital footprint, everything we do can be tracked and hacked and in new ways that I personally never thought of. One report from Tom's Hardware covered the story, and this report found that there is a vulnerability in the fingerprint authentication. And what hackers can do is they can hack your fingerprint from the sound that it makes on your phone. So if you are recording a video and posting it online, and in that video, you are using your fingerprint, maybe you shouldn't. This new type of hack is a side channel attack called print listener. So what it can do is it can leverage the sound characteristics of a user's finger swiping on a touch screen to extract your fingerprint pattern features. This attack is successful 27.9% of the time partially and 9.3% of the time for complete fingerprints, each within five attempts. So there is a whole fingerprint authentication market that's estimated to be worth nearly $100 billion by 2032. So when it comes to fingerprints, we think they're safe, but like in the movies, don't let bad guys get them. All right, our second story from Dispatch from the Fringe is an artist named Alicia Framis is marrying an AI hologram this summer. This AI hologram is named AI Lex, and it's an interactive holographic sculpture. The AI hologram was trained on data related to Alicia's previous romantic partners. On her website, it says, Love and sex with robots and holograms are an inevitable reality. They make great companions and are capable of expressing empathy. Just as telephones saved us from loneliness and filled the void in our lives, holograms as interactive presences in our homes can take it even further. Alicia is teaming up with RoboBank, an art collection slash Robo Art Lab, to explore the practical and ethical issues concerning humans and close relationships with AI. On her website, she said, just as we practice new languages with Duolingo, we'll practice relationships with these entities. So what do you think? Are either of you ready for a new AI holographic best friend? Let me know. All right. So this woman that is marrying her hologram boyfriend um, that she just talked about, (laughs) 
it's obviously more performance art, but still, like it gave me it gave me Hollow Love vibes. That was like a Korean show that was on Netflix. I'm not mm. sure if you ever saw it, but yeah, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know. It, yeah, these stories tend to pop up. I find <laughs> them interesting. I don't know. It's it's very. You know, her was a really good exploration into what it meant to become mildly obsessed with your with an AI personality. Uh, I do think, on some level, there's a, and I don't mean as as deep as this. I think that there's a balance, right? You're like mm-hmm. kind of walking a tightrope here. I do think, on some level, there is a nice arena for AI to fill a gap for people when they need to like talk through something. Yeah. And feel like they're being heard. Even, you know, I don't want to say as far as like a therapist, but, you know, I've definitely used ChatGPT to talk through the ideas of what I wanted to accomplish that day. Um, mm-hmm. Because it has that voice recognition part of it. That doesn't mean that I see a relationship with mm-hmm. my ChatGPT. But there is something nice about being able to, you know, talk out loud mm-hmm. uh, and feel like your ideas are being processed and heard, even if it's artificial. Yeah. I agree. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it to Lily to find the weird stuff. Leave it like. to Lily. Yeah, I, I love that. So um, anyway, as we as we wrap up, uh, I do want to mention uh, to everyone that on this Friday, the last episode of AIQ, which is a limited run podcast um, mm. presented by Microsoft Advertising is going to air. It's with Mike Pell, a good friend of mine who works uh, as an envisioneer at Microsoft and runs the Microsoft Garage in New York. And that's going to be all about the future. So due to, due to an end to AIQ, it'll be the last episode of the limited run podcast. So I'm very excited about that. And yeah, I think I think I might be in Abu Dhabi uh, next Monday when we record. So excited. I guess I will probably talk to you at like 4 a.m. or something. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out. I'm not (laughs) sure how we're going to pull that one off. Uh, But yeah, I'll be I'll be on the other side of the world, you know, from from where we live in the States. But yeah, any anything cool planned leave for the next couple of days? Next couple of days, writing. I am writing so much right now. Um, That was my task is just to sit down and finally get through a lot of drafts. Um, I am excited to eventually say more. I know I've been, this is a long Mm -hmm. tease. I get it. Like I've... Well, I think people will be excited when they hear more about what you're doing. That's awesome. I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I'm I'm on on from a spatial dynamics perspective, I'm starting to kind of have meetings with different venture capitalists and angel investors and trying to figure out, you know, there, we have something really special. Um mm. and I yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm really really excited about the future. I'm very positive and optimist about what we have going on in spatial dynamics and well, golly, if we weren't excited about the future, this podcast is pointless. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then why would we have this podcast? But <laughs> Yeah, but on that note, thank you for joining us for Tech Magic. Come for the tech, stay for the magic. We're thrilled to have you here every week. Please subscribe, leave us a review. And um, yeah, we'll see you back next week. Thank you. Thank you. 
Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.